Tēnā koutou katoa, this is Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. I'm Susana Suisuiki. E haere aki nei. There has been very little in terms of actualising Pacifica aspirations. New Zealand nurses are frustrated of the health system failing vulnerable communities. Also, Vanuatu future-proofs its roads from climate change impacts. And later... The whole lead-up to uh, the Rugby World Cup has been about Chile, our first game. Tonga and Sam will begin their Rugby World Cup campaigns. The New Zealand Nurses Organisation president is frustrated at the lack of action from politicians across the board to address a health system failing Pacific communities. Kaifakahaere Kiri Nuku says at least 4,000 nurses were needed yesterday. She told Lydia Lewis the Pacific population is at 8% and bus figure nurses only make up 4% of the workforce. We believe that there hasn't been a concentrated effort to support the recruitment and retention of Māori and Pacifica workforce. Um, and what needs to change is investment in, in exactly that, a Māori and Pacifica workforce where it's suitably resourced and it ensures that we can take students that are thinking of the nursing provide the support that's necessary around them and graduate them into good jobs and then retain them within the health sector. I know that there's been some pilot programs for midwives, Pacifica midwives, that have seen some success in recent years and Labour and National have both announced recently their plans to bolster GPs, workforce and you know fund places for doctors. Would you like to see them both do the same for nurses? But what we've seen during COVID is absolutely nurses stepped up. They were doing the screening, they were doing the vaccinations, they were everywhere um, in, within the community. Uh, absolutely the role of nurses are significant and must be matched with any initiatives that they're anticipating investing in um, for doctors. Absolutely nurses are, as every politician says, the backbone of a healthcare system. However, they're often the ones that are overlooked. And why is it important to have Pacific-specific initiatives? You know, there's some concern with at potentially wanting to scrap specific Māori, Pacific, ethnic-specific initiatives. Why is it important to have those? We see um, time and time again the stats that show that Māori are overrepresented in poor health outcomes. What we believe is that having Māori and Pacifica having cult, um, deliver a culturally more appropriate service to our people and therefore having them um, the ability to train in a way that uh, best meets, meets their learning needs. Now we're not saying that it undermines or is lesser than uh, the BM programs that nurses are currently graduating un- under. But we need to develop and, and ensure that we have culturally appropriate training programs and deliver so we can deliver culturally appropriate services to the community. None of the national or labour announcements were Pacific specific. They were, you know, obviously just about bolstering numbers to address the shortage. But have Pacific specific initiatives been forgotten about so far in the election campaign? I think um, not just in the election campaign, but certainly throughout um, a lot of the workforce planning, it's uh, Pacifica and Māori are overlooked. I think 
um, Pacifica are even more marginalised and that's not okay, especially as I said earlier, given that our people are far more likely to frequent um, services and have and are subjected to um, significant comorbidities and complex health issues. The reason why a Māori don't access at a high rate is because um, the services are not always culturally appropriate to their needs. And we so we have Māori presenting late, more complex um, term within the illness, and therefore more complicated um, health patterns. I, I think that when, you, when we look over the workforce planning, um, there has been very little in terms of actualising Pacifica aspirations. There are great initiatives that have been set up, but it requires a lot of resourcing and a lot more uh, future thinking around the population projections and workforce match. What are some real life changes that could be done to really address this? So I think we need to start by looking at the data and we've got to say and commit to, government's work plans need to commit to achieving a nursing workforce population that matches the population of Pacifica. So for Māori it's 7%, we're 7% of the population, therefore we should at least have 7% of our Māori workforce. The Pacifica is the same. We've got to make sure that we do a number of things because we've got a significant international crisis in terms of nursing workforce. So we should not only look at earn as you learn, so we can incentivise training, people to train and earn money so they're not out of pocket, because becoming and completing the BN nursing programme takes three, almost four years before we're fully um, immersed in that workforce and earning money. Students are currently leaving with $30,000, debts, so we've got to look at taking away those barriers that stop people from training. We've got to make sure that we support with pastoral care nurses to succeed in that programme. The other thing, we've got a lot of nurses that are sitting out there in the community right now that have not got an annual practising certificate. And to retrain or to, to get back in that workforce, you basically have to retrain if you've been out of practice for a, for a long time. So the government could incentivise or pay for that um, nurses to retrain. I think currently it's about $12,000 to undertake that programme. That could be reduced because there are a lot of people out there currently in, in the communities, Māori and Pacifica, that are wanting to get back in the workforce, but that is a barrier to achieving that. We've got to also look at um, the portability of um, qualifications between the islands and, and New Zealand um, without depleting the people or incentivising people to move from the islands over to New Zealand. We've got to make sure that um, should they choose to, that we haven't uh, created any internal barriers with the, the registrations at the moment. I know that Pacifica colleagues are talking about um, the IELTS or the, the language uh, requirements to work with inside New Zealand. So we've really got to critically look at the system and see what barriers it currently creates for Pacifica to ensure that there is some active management around those or some priorities around those um, issues so that we can deconstruct the barriers that are stopping Pacifica nurses from 
working within the health system. Thank you so much for that. I've got so many more questions that I won't keep you. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Just that we really value the workforce and contributions and we have a um, great uh, Pacifica section within our organisation that Aceta Fennell and Abel Smith and others lead. And I think with their passion, they're aspiring to make sure that we're keeping Pacifica nurses within the workforce. But that can be a lonely job if the system doesn't respond in a way that enables that to happen. Vanuatu is the first Pacific Island nation to develop a road design guide that takes into account future climate change events. Developing the guide was a joint initiative between the Vanuatu Public Works Department and the Vanuatu Climate Information Services for Resilient Development Planning Project, or VANCORUP. Moira Tule Patela has this report from Port Vila. According to the World Bank, Vanuatu is considered to be one of the country's most at risk to natural disasters in the world. Public Works has uh, taken the step to uh, look into the future because, uh, as we know, with climate change uh, impacts coming, there'll be more extreme events, whether it's rainfall, floods, um, droughts, cyclones. Uh, we want to be prepared, not just within the seasonal changes, but also in the long term. That's Moira Marto, project manager for Van Kitab. She says in the past years, the practice had been to use historical data as well as climate data to give guidance on how to design better roads based on past records. But with the new information, enhanced information from through the project, we have integrated into the roads design guide climate change prediction so that the designing looks into the future of the roads, how big they should be, uh, how wide they should be, so that when uh, it can withstand extreme heavy rainfall, a flooding. Rav Kitale is an engineer with the Public Works Department. He says a lot of different climate factors have been incorporated into the guide. He says it's a step in the right direction. For sure, like we cannot uh, design for total resilience due to budget constraints that we cannot afford. But at least like we have a fair idea of what's coming and then we can decide on which Design parameters are more applicable to cater for this kind of uh, events. He says the document now sits with the Public Works Department. This will be one of the key documents that they'll have to follow to maybe uh, review the designs in order for them to actually be confident that they are building a resilient infrastructure. Sprape's representative in Vanuatu, Sunny Kamuta Seosil, says the increased frequency of cyclones and hazards like flooding and strong winds can impact key infrastructure like roads or bridges. Other parts of the economy are also impacted, uh, like um, People visiting hospitals, um, trade and businesses also uh, impacted. Uh, So we need to ensure that uh, these um, infrastructure, lifeline, um, infrastructure that connect people uh, and um, the economy um, continues to uh, be able to operate uh, even after tropical cyclones and uh, severe weather events. Sunny Kamutiseoseo says he's pleased that the project's now up and running.
This weekend, Papua New Guinea is marking the 48th anniversary of its independence from Australia in 1975. For the Prime Minister James Marape and his Police Commissioner David Manning, the Friday public holiday has kept them busy, especially with a lengthy media sit-down in Port Moresby, where a wide range of issues were traversed by local journalists. Don Wiseman spoke with our PNG correspondent, Scott Wydey. From the outset, he doesn't look too worried, uh, and and he's had the... Uh, a lot of support from both within cabinet and within his inner circle. There is some talk from, you know, corridor talk within parliament and various other political circles uh, and from the opposition as well, calling for change. Uh, I've seen a few statements being released calling for, uh, you know, immediate uh, a reshuffle, um, changes to ministries and all that. But within the government, they're pretty certain that they have the will and the, the the stamina to continue through this difficult process. And at the press conference today, he said basically that the numbers within Pangu were intact, that they had the support of all coalition partners, um, and they were planning a uh, party convention after independence. So all, all that is in is in play. There, there's a lot of pressure coming on the coming from the opposition and various parties and and from governors as well around the medicines, uh, drug shortages that the country is facing and and the forex issues. So all, all of that put together and it's intensified as the 18-month deadline approaches so that there'll be a lot of media statements, a lot of talk about change and uh, reshuffles and, and adjustments going forward. There are certainly, as you say, certainly a large number of grim stories uh, within the country. And, of course, he's also put his foot in it over a number of issues, such as West Papua, in very recent times. But he's also very, very keen to get these new gold mines up and running. And, in fact, Porgero, I think they were meant to start this weekend... They were meant to begin this process of reopening there. That was what we were told uh, a few weeks ago. And there's been some significant progress with Wafi Golpu. Yes, with Pogra, it was supposed to open... Well, they had plans to open it tomorrow, uh, 16th of September. So he basically outlined that there were a few points that needed to be ticked off before uh, Pogra could reopen. Minor issues, as, as he put it in the press conference, but it, it may take a few days, it may take a few weeks before the mine actually starts production again. In the last few weeks, they've had development forums happening in Lay for the Wafi Gopu project. Wafi Gopu appears to be on track and moving towards uh, its construction stage. Pogra, uh, the Development forum that was supposed to continue in Pogra didn't happen. They had to move it to Alatau. So all of all those issues put together. And that's fueled the fire from the opposition with a lot of criticism to the government about uh, whether it has handled its, its business well. And they're clearly not minor issues that are stopping this progress here. A lot of it's to do with the violence. And in response to this violence... The government has been talking about this domestic terrorism legislation at once and the establishment of an elite police team and the use of lethal force. So we're talking about very, very serious issues within those regions, aren't we? 
No, they're not minor issues. And, and that's, I guess, what's irritating to many people. They're seeing all these issues happen. And, and the narrative coming from the government and particularly from the prime minister has been this very positive, almost uh, as if uh, he's brushing aside those serious issues that confront him. And if you look at it from uh, their perspective, it's almost like he's trying to manage this 18-month period and get it over with before he deals with all the other issues. So all of that put together, yes. Regarding the situation all over the country, the Commissioner Manning also talked about the domestic terrorism bill that is expected to go before Parliament, and that would give rise to a elite unit of police to deal with domestic terrorism and and it'll take a few months maybe at least a year before that is sorted out and and a, and a team is actually assembled and the money found for it Tonga and Samoa begin their campaigns at the Rugby World Cup in France this weekend while Tonga will face road number 1 Ireland Manu Samoa tackles debutants Chile both teams named their lineups in France on Thursday RNZ Pacific senior sports journalist Elisa Tora is in Bordeaux and filed this report. Having been on a bye last week, both Tonga and Samoa are excited to be playing their first pool matches this weekend. Manu Samoa are the first cab off the rank and coach Seilala Mapusua says the team he has named is a reflection of the respect they have for Chile but also their determination to start their own campaign well. The whole lead-up to uh, the Rugby World Cup has been about Chile, our first game, and, um, and, and about giving them the respect that they deserve and, and, and making sure that we not only do, do our own people proud, but that um, we're taking steps forward to, um, to, to our goal as Monsamo. Mapusua has named former Wallaby Christian Leliefano ahead of former All Black Lima Sopoanga at Flyhalf against Chile. They're very, they're very similar uh, in their roles with us. Um, uh, expect them to, to control the game um, and, and, re- and really manage our team over the full 80. And, um, having, having two high-quality um, playmakers, that's, that's unheard of for us. So we feel very lucky and very blessed that we can have Christian um, starting with Lima coming on or, or, or the other way around. Kaletahi head coach Totei Kefu says Island will be tough and they will have to execute their game plan to perfection. Speaking earlier in the week, Kefu says they have had some good warm-up games and playing Island first up is the best way to start off with a bang. Um, I'm very confident in my squad, my team, uh, very talented, very hard-working, uh, who are proud to represent their families, their country and their king. Meanwhile, Fiji will have to win against Australia on Monday morning, New Zealand time, if they are to keep their hopes of making it into the quarterfinals alive. Coach Simon Rewalui says the team has moved on from the disappointment of losing to Wales last weekend and are focused on the new challenge this week. In other matches this weekend, the All Blacks play Namibia in Toulouse, England take on Japan in Nice and South Africa meets Romania in Bordeaux. That's Pacific Ways for today. Don't forget you can listen back on rnzi.com slash programs. We're also on Apple, Spotify and iHeartRadio podcasts. From myself on the RNZ Pacific team, so far so far.